Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby, standing for truth, justice, and the American way, bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. And welcome to Cats and Cosby. John is off today. He may be joining us. He's traveling. But boy, what an incredible news day it has been. We have, of course, Ed Cox, New York GOP chair, also former chief of staff for Rudy Giuliani, Tony Carbonetti, and also former Governor David Patterson. And uh, by the way, everybody is talking about the Fannie Willis. This is the Georgia D.A. who finally took the stand. It is better than a soap opera, Tony Carbonetti. At a minimum, I want to hang out with her. Yeah. She carries a lot of cash and she drinks Grey Goose. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but he likes She sounds like her, a lot of fun. Her lover likes wine. She made that clear distinction. But she doesn't drink wine. She drinks Grey Goose, she said. You know what? It was one of the most dramatic moments in court today I think that I've ever seen. You guys are attorneys, but I've seen from a visible covering it. She comes in. They They were trying to stop her from testifying. And then she's like, oh, no, 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 I am testifying. I'm defending my man. And then she went after the prosecutor said, you're lying. This was like it was like made for TV moments. Yeah, on a serious note, I'm sure her attorneys weren't happy that she's the that she's testifying to having a lot of cash in her house. Yes, exactly. You know, that, that can't be a good thing. Yeah. And, and, and when you when you go out of your way to reimburse someone and I used to have to do this as a government official. You know, you used to have to write a check for your Yankee tickets, but you would write a check for them so they could see, you know, later on that here they are. And she didn't do that. Yeah. And he did, he also said, you know, it was so funny. They get into, they remember these specifics. Oh, when I met him, uh, this is what happened. This is what happened. But. Well, um, when did the relationship, I'm not really sure. And when, how did you pay him? I'm not really sure, but everything else she could say, it was like Tuesday. Uh, the sun was shining. The, uh, the sun was glistening in his eyes. Uh, this is one for the record books. Uh, Gub Patterson, you've been hearing the theatrics. This is like, you can't make this up. Who needs Clarence Thomas and Anita Hill? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer, Ed Collins. Uh, and she already swore under oath that there's no affair. She did. Well, that's what she's she, got a problem. That's where and, the problem is. She said quite, that it started after she hired him. And that's the big issue. But isn't it interesting? He gets hired and surprise, surprise, the next day he asked for the divorce. And it's all coincidence, guys. Yeah. All coincidence. And it's just and the criteria is impro is appearance of impropriety. Clearly, it's there. So this whole prosecution is in trouble. Um, also, you guys, speaking of trouble, I can't believe this, that this church, this is the Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Bay Ridge, puts up $15,000 bail for the repeat offender who was beating up the police officers, our great police officers in Times Square. I, that's disgusting, Ed Cox. They're, they're, they're on the street again. <laughs> At least I don't think they put the finger in the air, did they, this time around? Yeah. Oh, that's a good point. You're right, because remember he was smiling like, here, uh, blank you, America, blank you. Why'd they give them bail? 
Yeah, why, they said, oh, well, it's a sanctuary. They call themselves a sanctuary church, and they feel sorry. No, He's only no, repeated no, 20 why is, times. Why does the judge keep times, giving them Tony? bail? Come on. Hold them for trial. He's such a nice man. Hold them for trial. Such a nice man. All he was doing was beating and, uh, up I'm, officers. I'm glad you said Ugh. that, Tony, because uh, that's what the bail process is about. It's not innocence or guilt. It's producing the the accused for trial, and in that particular case... Um, there, how many of them the, fled already? All, how many have they got, have they got two out of nine right, right. now? So, so, so the two you have, are they going to flee? If you gave them bail, they would. Yeah. Well, we'll, we're going to find out. And we don't even know where a lot of the other ones are, as you're pointing out. They're like MIA. Several are headed to California to yes. the border with Mexico. They're probably having margaritas in Tijuana <laughs> right now, Ed Cox. What are you kidding are. me? Yeah. You know what? I got to ask you, too. Big news on the redistricting front yes. with the, the congressional seats, Ed. Fill us in. Uh, the Independent Redistricting Commission has passed a map that's very much like the present districts. It really hasn't changed it that much. Very minor changes to incorporate houses of present members, things like that. Uh, otherwise, it's the same. They pass it on the legislature, which is reported to want to actually approve those maps and move forward with a campaign rather than have chaos going forward. Members and cha- challengers not knowing what their districts are. So what does it mean for voters? It's pretty similar, you think? or It's very it's it's similar for voters. It is really the same. All right, good. All right, so that's good news, that's I good guess, news. for everybody's sake. Right, as so long as the legislature doesn't say decide that they want to re-gerrymander everything, and I bet there's an inclination from the members of Congress putting pressure on the legislators in Albany to do something about it. I don't think they want to. I don't think they want to touch it. They got their own business to do. All right, so let's see. You got to keep us posted, Ed we'll Cox. See. You're right there fighting the good fight. It's great to have you here in studio and joining us now as we continue to talk about the soap opera of Fannie Willis and everything else. And also Trump was in court today. We have Greg Jarrett, the great Fox News legal analyst. He also has a really great new book out. It's called The Constitution of the United States and Other Patriotic Documents. And Greg Jarrett, what did you make Fannie Willis, the Georgia DA, who's going after Trump on the RICO case, her and all these other defendants, she finally takes the stand today. And and to the governor's point, uh, who needs Anita Hill and Clarence Thomas? This is like the new soap opera here today. Well, her lover, uh, Nathan Wade, uh, took the stand before her, and, you know, he just made matters worse with seemingly absurd statements, evasive, disingenuous, and that's probably why uh, Fonnie Willis suddenly stood out of the back of the courtroom and shouted out that she was waiving her opposition to testifying, and, and then she rushed to the witness stand. But I must say from the outset, uh, you know, she was angry and hostile. She had to be admonished by the judge at one point in time, about an hour ago. She starts yelling at the judge who bangs down the gavel and calls a recess. Uh, I mean, she was at times out of control. Which and, is and, Greg, a uh, it, thing. and Greg, it's David Patterson. Uh, not long before she did that, she yelled at the prosecutor about yelling at her. I mean, it, and he wasn't yelling, by the way. He was simply asking, you know, uh, pretty stern, penetrating questions, and she just didn't like the questions, so she accused him falsely of yelling at her. You know, here's the important part. She admitted the sexual affair 
with Nathan Wade, her subordinate. But she insisted it didn't start until after Wade was hired, not before. It doesn't matter. Read the canons of ethics. The affair itself is a severe conflict of interest. It creates an obvious impropriety, which she publicly vowed she'd never do by having an affair with a subordinate in her office. And then she went about and did it and tried to keep it a secret. Uh, The other critical question is, did she benefit financially from the money she paid Wade, an exorbitant amount of money, when they took lavish vacations together, some of it on the taxpayer dime? Well, she insisted she always paid her fair share by reimbursing him, but here's the thing. She says she did it in cash, so we're talking about thousands of dollars, which of course, in cash cannot be traced or corroborated. How very convenient. The whole thing is bizarre, and quite frankly, it doesn't pass the smell test. Yeah, I found it completely unbelievable. I've been watching all day. I filled in the guys. I was like, oh, my. You know what? How about let's also talk, Greg, Jared, about the moment. The first witness was the friend of hers who she helped her get a place. She moved into her a condo. And she said, no, they were like huggy kissy in 2019. Yeah, she was back to 2019. Yeah, she went all the way back to 20. But then it was the definition. I was waiting for the Clinton kind of description. The definition of is is because yeah. it kind of got into, well, um, I don't know if it was really a relation. You know, I, it was like I, I couldn't believe. But that I thought also very much went to hurting their credibility because she claims that they were together. They were ve- they were close friends. And that she knew and that Willis was telling her she had a relationship for a while. Your thoughts, Greg? Yeah, you know, I I, I sort of had flashbacks of uh, Bill Clinton standing there claiming I never had sex with that woman. Well, it depends on what your definition of sex is. And his is apparently different than everybody else's. You're right. The first witness, this uh, good friend, testified that Willis told her about the sexual affair uh, a, a full two years before Nathan Wade was hired by the DA, and in fact, a friend said she observed it personally. Now, that's a real problem for Willis and Wade because it puts a lie to their sworn statements by both of them filed with a court. Now, you know, perjury is pretty serious business. It's a felony. Uh, and that alone, of course, would disqualify them. But, But frankly, I don't see how this judge cannot... Uh, disqualify both Wade and Willis just based on their affair uh, during the prosecution of this case. Again, it's to me, an egregious violation of the canons of ethics. Yeah, it, it just, and so many of the things they said was so unbelievable. I, I mean, it was wild. Hey, everybody, we are talking to Greg Jarrett, the great Fox News legal analyst, Ed Cox. So, look, it's over as far as these two are involved in this case. But do they have – are they in danger other than that because of the money that was involved, et cetera? Well, you know, again, it's hard to trace the money if a lot of it is in cash. There are two other investigations in Georgia examining how Willis and Wade profited, how they used federal COVID money – to bring a local case, uh, failed to obtain permission from the county for the cash that she doled out uh, to her lover. And, you know, apparently Wade took actions, including indictments, 
before he was ever sworn in. So, you know, this scheme of theirs smacks of misappropriation of public funds, honest services fraud. You got a whole line of staffers who are anxiously uh, waiting to testify against Willis and all kinds of improprieties that she presided over. You know, she could be removed from office uh, and even face criminal jeopardy. So uh, she's got a lot more problems than the prosecution of Donald Trump. So, she, she's got a good acting career, though. Yeah. I'll give her that. Cause boy, <laughs> and, and I thought that. I still want to hang out with her. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> so, so we've definitely cleared the hurdle of appearance of imp- appearance of uh, impropriety. So that that's she's out. What happens well, to the case? You know, I I never, you know, I, I we're never here because of Trump, right? Out. So what happens about that? You know, who knows about the, how the judge is going to rule here? He may say, well, it was wrong, it was improper, but I don't think it rises to the level of disqualification. Now, I think the judge would be terribly wrong in making that assessment, uh, and I think to me it's a no-brainer. She must be disqualified. Uh, And then I think the case, I think he'd have to say it's so tainted, we have to transfer it out of the DA's office. Mm -hmm. If if it goes to a different office, fresh prosecutorial eyes will take a look at this thing. I'll say, wait a minute. The evidence doesn't support racketeering. This case is legally unsound, in which case it would then likely be dismissed against all defendants. Well, I agree with uh, Tony. She does look like she's fun to hang out. She's got, she's so fun. And she, we know today she likes Grey Goose, right? She goes yeah. on lavish vacations. She's, she's got a and high she's life. She's buying a lot of rounds. Okay. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> right. Boy, it was one for the record books. Uh, Greg Jarrett, thank you so much. My pleasure as always. Thank you. Wow, wow, wow. Well, um, last night I had the chance to talk with Mayor Eric Adams. And I was talking with him. He, they launched, by the way, a very powerful lawsuit against social media companies for their effects on kids, some of the harmful effects. I say bravo to him for doing that. Yes. And also, I asked him about migrants and also crime in New York related to gangs. This is a little bit of what he had to say. It was really interesting. And Mayor Adams, you, you brought up also gangs, too. I want to just ask you briefly, because people are so concerned about some of the headlines we've seen of late in New York with the Venezuelan gangs and MS-13, another brutal gang, uh, that they may be joining forces and may be part of some of the things which have been the robberies. We've also seen, sadly, the beatdown of the police officer in Times Square, the two officers. That was so horrible. How do we control it? What can be done to clamp down? And this is such a, I mean, this is such an important conversation because we want to be clear uh, the, the pathway to the American dream is something every immigrant has experienced, and this is a city of immigrants. And by identifying a small number of people who are participating in either gang or criminal behavior, we don't want to demonize uh, the hundreds of thousands of people who come to our country to participate in the American dream. All of our ancestry is attached to that dream. That dream is still alive. But we must make a tough decisions, again, to do the right thing. And if we identify a pocket of people doing illegal behavior, we don't want to be so politically correct that we're not going to correct the problem we're facing. There's a potential that there is a small group of people who came into the country that have criminal behavior. We're going to identify them. It appears as though this is in not only in New York, but in parts of Florida and other parts of the country. 
And our goal is to use uh, Interpol and use other law enforcement, both city, state, and federal, to identify those criminal behaviors and clap down on them. But at the same time, we must always keep the American dream alive and well and never use these as excuses to deny people to pursue them. We must secure our borders. We must have a decompression strategy. We must make sure that the federal government pick up the price tag that's associated to the migrant and asylum seeker issue. But we must also not demonize the entire population. And joining us now to talk about all of this and a lot more is the chief of patrol at the NYPD, Chief Shell, Chief John Shell. Thank you, Chief. We always love having you on. And, um, you know, we were just talking, as you heard, I was talking with the mayor about just how dangerous it is with these gangs, especially the Venezuelan gang and also now MS-13, two ruthless gangs. And it just came out, Chief Shell, that the migrants that were busted for that horrible beating of your fellow cops there in Times Square, which was just reprehensible when we've seen what the video and what they went through, that they were part of the train de Aragua, which is the uh, train from Aragua in Venezuela. That's a really ruthless gang. What are you guys dealing with on the streets? So you're, you're correct. This, this, we, we know that this gang or parts of it is in our city. We do know they were in Chicago, so we're sharing intelligence there. We do know through some of our debriefings of people we speak to that they are into property crime as it relates to retail theft, as it relates to pickpockets, uh, robberies, and purse snatchers. So we know what the problem is. We know who's doing it. Now we have to put it all together, and we got to put them in jail, and it's going to take some time to do that because we're talking about all our resources, our federal partners, our state partners, our detective bureau. As that's occurring, as individual acts of uh, uh, violence or theft occurs, we have to work with our DAs to, to take them off the street. So you just referred to the, the guy that was arrested for assaulting my cop who was released that day, was indicted on February 7th, was supposed to be in court today for that assault. And then lo and behold, on the 14th, him and five others go into a Macy's and try as, a, as one crew and try to do that retail theft. He's the lookout. They all get arrested. And I'm glad to say today he's sitting in Rikers Island on $100,000 bail. Yeah, but another one is out. Uh, some, a church even put it up. How does that make you feel when you hear some other people are, are posting the bail? Well, the other one made, uh, uh, someone paid his $15,000 bail. Uh, we do have sympathizers out there with different thoughts that we can't control that. It's the system we live in. Um, but again, we're just going to, we know what the problems are. We know the street crime. We know who we're dealing with. And just like any other group of people doing crimes, we're going to be relentless in our pursuit to keep the city safe. Carbonetti, uh, question. Do you have any interaction with the migrants? Let's take, let's take the Roosevelt Hotel as an example. Do you have an opportunity to tell them, hey, your kids are going to be approached and potentially recruited by some of these gangs? You better warn them off of it because they're all going to go to jail for the rest of their lives. Do you have so, that opportunity to have that dialogue with these people? We do. So months ago, and we still do it, when there is an issue, let's say let's say moped's still been an issue, right? How to, how to, how to uh, register a moped, insurance. 
we will send our community affairs people into these hotels to, to talk to them as groups, individuals and or groups, to explain the right way to do things. So we have, we have done that, and we do do that. We're putting up new posters now about if you see something, say something. So we're approaching it the same way with any other group of people. The rules and regs, what to do, how can you help us, 1-800-CRIME-STOPPERS. So, yes, we do do that. Great. And, uh, Governor Patterson, you got a quick question for Chief Shell. Well, Chief, if uh, an outside organization, a church or something, puts up the bail money, it speaks to still whether or not the defendant is going to be available for trial. So even though they put the money up, I don't know why a judge would have let that particular person out. And the answer was, as soon as he got out, you never saw him again until he got caught in another crime. Yes, absolutely, Governor. And there's a, there's a, a surety here, and you see where that money's coming from. Now, we assume it's coming from good places, but you have to check once in a while. And coupled with what you just said, that's incumbent upon the judge and, and, our, and our system to do that. So, yes, we, I, I, I agree with you. And, again, we have to get better at doing this because our city is uh, you know, getting hurt by a small minority of, uh, in this case, a migrant crew that, that's hurting on the office. By the way, Chief, did you get those Nathan's hot dogs over to the guy on 82nd Street and 2nd Avenue, the 91-year-old gentleman? <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. What happened, so, Chief? So I'm, glad, I'm glad you brought that up. That, these are the most important things of the day. So he wasn't a fan of the hot dog, but he mentioned the, the french fries numerous times. <laughs> <laughs> Bravo. So they, were, they were delivered, okay, and he was, great, great, uh, he was very appreciative. Phase three of this is when he gets better. I'm figuring around April when Coney Island opens up. We're going to pick him up. We're going to take a stroll down the boardwalk because I got to tell you, this man makes us all look bad. He's strong as an ox, a great conversationalist, um, and, and truly an inspiration. And I'm glad to report that uh, our sharp-eyed cops in our transit system uh, saw the saw the bad guy and and, and, and grabbed him up. And You're my guy, thank Chief. Goodness. Thank goodness. Uh, Chief Shell, thank you so much. And keep up Anytime. the great work. We love having you here and always support our great men and women in blue. Thanks for all you do. Have a great night, guys. Thank you. And when we come back, we're going to talk with Gordon Chang about who's crossing our border. A lot of well-dressed Chinese, military-age men. What could that be? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And we are back here on Katz and Cosby. Uh, coming up, by the way, we're also going to be talking to Virginia Attorney General Jason Meares, uh, because he's going to be talking about some of the issues that are happening with the migrants and crime with the gangs that are happening in D.C., spilling over into Virginia. So much coming on. Uh, John Katzimatidis is off, but he's going to be joining us in a little bit, which is fantastic. And we continue with Ed Cox, Tony Carbonetti, and also Governor David Patterson. And joining us now to talk about who's crossing our border, including a lot of well-dressed Chinese men. What are they doing is Gordon G. Chang, one of the great Asia experts out there. And again, his Twitter is Gordon G. Chang. You can check it out there. Uh, Gordon, 
Why are so many Chinese? I saw like 24,000 have crossed since October and the year before it was like 400 have crossed. What are they doing? Well, there's two groups, uh, Rita. One is basically desperate Chinese who have given up on their country and have decided that they're going to live in the United States. But there's the other group. And these are packs of Chinese males, groups of 5 to 15, of military age, traveling without family members, pretending not to speak English. And border Patro- U.S. Border Patrol knows that some of these guys have links to the Chinese military. What makes this really disturbing is we're seeing these images of uh, Chinese males and females taking target practice within three weeks of coming into the U.S. They haven't been in our country for more than three weeks. And, and they have came in with no money and they're shooting pistols and sniper rifles. You know, you wouldn't do that if you, you know, if you had arrived in the U.S. and you just wanted to live here. But you would do that if you came to kill Americans. And we got to be concerned that many of them have exactly that intention. And Gordon, uh, Tony Carbonetti has a question. So, Gordon, is there any way to track them? I mean, you, you said people are watching them take target practice. Where is that happening? It is happening in Idaho. And we saw images on the Defiant America website, where, which, which was a Sandy location, which obviously not Idaho. Um, so it's happening across the country. And um, the Biden administration could prevent these individuals from coming into the U.S. or imprison them. Uh, but it's not. It's not even tracking them. So really what's happened is that some Americans um, have decided to take matters into their own hands and are trying to get the documentation um, to show everybody else that we've got to start defending ourselves because these, this really looks sinister. Are they claiming political asylum? Is that the gig? Yeah, all of these, everybody who comes across that southern border is claiming asylum, uh, and so are these guys as well. Amazing. And uh, Tony, hold, uh, uh, Gordon, hold with us. And Tony, hold with us. Uh, we have John Katzimatidis calling in. Uh, John, your thoughts on all of this, because I know how concerned you are about the border. Well, I just came off the uh, a board meeting, uh, and but I wanted to call in. And uh, uh, the border is very, very concerning. Uh, I have uh, a meeting coming up with some very high-ranking Democrats. And, uh, you know, my, what I plan to tell them is I believe in immigration. I'm an immigrant is what I've been saying all along. But if you want to bring in a million immigrants a year, they have to go through an Ellis Island type operation. And we have to know who they are and, who, and who's coming and going. And, and I, I think the American people will be happy if we do that. Yeah, I, by the way, are the high-ranking Democrats, are they higher-ranking than Governor David Patterson, who's sitting here in the studio and very well-dressed today, John? I should take Governor Patterson with me, and maybe I will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, John, stick with us, if you could. Uh, we're going to go to a quick break. And, Gordon, thank you so much for joining us and raising the alarm bells on such a huge, deeply, deeply important topic uh, Gordon, thank you very, very much. And John, stay with us. And uh, before we go to the break, everybody, we have our big headlines from Goya. It's the top news of the day, sponsored by Goya. Here's Rita Cosby. Well, as you heard here at the top of Cats and Cosby, 
Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis, who Tony Carbonetti wants to hang out with. Well, she is being pressed about cash and vacations that she took with Trump special prosecutor Nathan Wade. She dramatically testified today during a hearing to determine if she could be tossed from Donald Trump's Georgia case alleging election interference. And the hearing continues tomorrow. They just wrapped up a few minutes ago, but it continues. Meanwhile, a judge has set March 25th as the start date for Trump's trial concerning alleged hush money payments to adult film star Stormy Daniels. Prosecutors claim that any such payment needed to be reported as a campaign contribution. And also from Kansas City, police say that the Super Bowl parade shooting started as a fight between two groups. Two of the accused shooters are juveniles. Half of the 22 victims, sadly, are under the age of 16. And a beloved local radio DJ there in Kansas City, Lisa Lopez, was killed. And those are your Goya top stories of the day. And of course, we love our Goya beans. They are so nutritious. They are the best. And we love Bob Unanway, who is head of Goya beans. John, I know you love Goya beans, right? They I are your favorite. Goya beans. And I'm going to be looking in, in Naples, Florida. I'm going to be looking for some Goya beans tonight. Oh, oh, that sounds well. Naples, Florida. That's not a bad place to be having Goya beans, John. Napoli or Florida? <laughs> Grazie. John, stick with us. We're How was g- the pizza? Oh, it's not Friday. That's it's tomorrow. Thursday. That's tomorrow. Anthony. I, and, John, you're not going to be with us tomorrow, so you got to do the Anthony Chime tomorrow, okay? Because we're yeah, going to miss you. I will, be calling, I will be calling you tomorrow. You know what, John? You just made a mistake because Con- Tony heard pizzas here tomorrow. Back. Tony's coming in tomorrow. <laughs> he just heard it's Grimaldi's pizza. Stick with us, everybody. A lot more after the break. Some serious threats to the homeland and we're going to be talking with former green beret michael waltz right after the break you're commuting home with cats and cosby now here's john cats and and rita cosby on 77 wabc and we are back here on Cats and Cosby, we continue with Ed Cox, Tony Carbonetti, also Governor David Patterson, and also John joining us from Napoli there in Florida. And we now bring in Congressman Michael Waltz. And Congressman, you know, former Green Beret, you have such great military background. And when we heard these headlines uh, coming from Mike Turner about the meeting tied to something with it seems with russia we're hearing it's a nuclear space weapon that there's a big concern a big security concern your thoughts about this and how concerned should we be yeah well let me just give you good to be with you just a little bit of backstory here uh that the 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 media really isn't covering and that's that chairman turner the chairman of of the house intel had repeatedly requested of the administration, sent classified letters about this obviously classified intelligence, asking the administration what was their plan to deal with it, to do something about it. Uh, What is it? And, of course, we repeatedly got radio silence. So eventually it got to the point where Chairman Turner said, look, this is of such importance, this is such a grave threat uh, that we're going to expand the intelligence out to all members 
uh, and that we're going to request the administration declassify it because the entire world needs to to understand what's going on. Uh, and uh, lo and behold, uh, Jake Sullivan was over on the, the Hill today to, to finally talk to us about it. So so that's point one. And point two, look, the White House, uh, Kirby uh, has come out and said, yes, this has to do with Russia, anti-satellite capability and a number of other things. Um, look, I, I, I'm not going to get into the classified nature of it, but I would just tell you uh, and for all your your listeners, our entire economy is uh, is dependent on space from telecommunications, GPS, agriculture. And if we have an adversary that is prepared to wipe all of it out, uh, our economy will go into the dark ages. Uh, this could be a geostrategic game changer. Uh, we are far more dependent on space than uh, than the Russians. The Chinese are catching up with us. And um, not to mention, by the way, our ability to see an ICBM launch uh, from our satellites could be taken out as well. Uh, This is incredibly grave, incredibly serious. I want to say nobody needs to be jumping into their bunker tomorrow. Um, I do think it probably scared some people the way it came out. Uh, But the administration needs to come to us with a strategy to to deal with this. And uh, that was essentially what it was about. And by the way, it was a unanimous vote, Democrats and Republicans on the committee. Oh, wow. So that says a lot. No, and I agree. People need to know. It seems to be sort of par for the course on how this administration has handled a lot of threats. Um, we have uh, Governor David Patterson for you, Congressman. So, Congressman sure. Waltz, back in 2020, I was on a committee with Democrats and Republicans. One of the Republicans was the former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. And we were getting these briefings from former generals about what was going on. And they were saying at that time that both China and Russia were looking to arm warheads and take out, uh, you know, the ones that we have in the sky. And I'm just shocked that four years later, it's just starting to get discussed as a real serious possibility when it has been for a number of years. Well, I could, you know, again, there were. There's there's been a lot of attempts, uh, not only to, to have some serious discussions, make sure it's taken seriously, but what's the strategy to either counter, dissuade, deter? Uh, and and that's where the, you know, the frustration, I think, kind of came to a, a boiling point um, and 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 why we saw things unfold over the over the last couple of days. But to your broader point, look, you can't be number one on Earth if you're number two in space. The Chinese launched more in 2018 than us and the rest of the world combined. They have a plan that they are going to realize to put a man station on the moon. Uh, and that's the ultimate high ground, right? Uh, and their military, they don't have civilian research uses. This is all about military. This is all about natural resources and mining. This is all about replacing the United States and one other sphere uh, that, that China is seeking to do and that this Russia-China unholy alliance uh, is getting incredibly, incredibly concerning. Then finally, I just have to say, Governor, everybody made their jokes uh, when President Trump uh, pushed hard to create their space force. I think now we're seeing that it is actually uh, incredibly serious. I'm glad he did it. My legislation supported it uh, because that's the new battleground. Every war game that we have now, the first shots are in cyber and in space. Uh, John, uh, your thoughts for Congressman Waltz? Well, uh, basically, uh, uh, the the Russians, Putin uh, is a very proud guy, and he wants to be relevant. And uh, I think he's doing what uh, uh, Ronald Reagan was doing, 
uh, and threatening. Um, I spoke to a few generals today, uh, and uh, one of the things they say, well, they might be putting uh, hypermissiles up there, or they might be putting in uh, nuclear uh, weapons, but doesn't mean they know how to shoot straight. And Fair enough. I, and I, I don't think the Russians are. I don't think the Russians are looking for a nuclear war. They're, they're just having a Ronald Reagan moment. Um, well, without getting into intelligence, but um, we should be concerned. Uh, you're right. There's all kinds of questions on how you know how someone would use uh, a, a weapon of this type. I mean, look, if you, as you know, with any satellite. Uh, once you take a few out, it creates the debris that then destroys everything up there. So you're, you very quickly get into game theory where they use this as a question, you know, issue of last resort, first strike, what have you. Um, but you are crossing a threshold if you start to put nukes in space. Uh, uh, and- because it also could, you know, I mean, this is what the, the space treaty sought to avoid back in the Cold War is you know, within seconds, you can start taking things out that would send our economy uh, into the dark ages. And uh, we've now, got uh, – go ahead, John. You, uh, and the biggest danger we have is uh, what Washington is doing and Biden is doing, moving our country more and more towards electric uh, vehicles and electric uh, stoves and electric appliances and electric, mm-hmm. electric everything. Because if something happens to that grid – and the Russians or the Chinese push a button to knock the grid out, we are living in a jungle. Your, your yeah, thoughts, Congressman, because you're right. Yeah, That's you're catastrophic. <laughs> it is It is catastrophic. Uh, and, you know, there there's a reason that we saw, uh, I mean, such a serious and, and, and pretty unprecedented warning uh, from from our committee. And, look, I don't mean to sound this to sound like a partisan swipe, but there's just not a lot of confidence that this administration is taking these kinds of things as seriously as it should, you know, you can't appease your way out of, 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 uh, of these types of threats. You can't just offer one more concession and maybe they'll, they'll play nice. Uh, we have to, we have to have our own Reagan moment and, and under make them understand the consequences and that we not only have the capability, but we have a commander in chief that will exercise it. That's how we maintain the peace. And the only one that has the courage to do that is a President Trump right now, not President Biden. Well, this is a this is a president that lost his defense secretary for a week and nobody knew about it. So yeah. I don't think there's a whole lot of confidence there. But we'll let uh, hopefully the American people make the right decision in November. You know, and, and that's the, that is a really powerful point, because as people are watching all of this and then they hear what. You know, the Russians are at least preparing and where this administration is going. It's really concerning because this happens at the same time of obviously everything with Israel, Hamas. All these, this is such a dangerous time. How do you view everything, Congressman? Because, you know, this is scary. No, no. I mean, what you're seeing right now, you can have the most amazing military, the most amazing capabilities in the world. But if your adversaries don't respect and fear, uh, the leader of that military and the political will to utilize it, uh, then you're going to watch deterrence start to crumble. And that's why you're seeing from space to cyber to Israel Hamas to a ragtag bunch, the Houthis taking on commercial shipping. And you see all of our adversaries on the march right now because they smell opportunity. Uh, I mean, it's never even the basics of securing your own border. Um, so that this is this is what the world 
and chaos looks like without strong American leadership. All right. Well, Congressman Michael Waltz, thank you so much for being with us and always fighting the good fight um, and keep us posted. Thank you so much, Congressman. Thank you. And uh, joining us now, everybody, we have Dr. Mark Siegel uh, on a much different topic, uh, but talking about this is stunning. And Dr. Siegel, we just have a minute or so here, but I just wanted to get your thoughts because this headline, 80 percent of Americans testing positive for a chemical that's found in like basic like cereals and other things that could cause infertility and delay puberty. Is that right? Right. But we don't know. We don't know if. There's enough of it to cause that. But but the, the point is about forever chemicals being in the environment. The point is about what people are exposed to. We're seeing cancer at much younger ages than we were. We're seeing a lot more infertility than we were. A lot of this, of course, affects women more than men because sperm is indestructible. We know that. By the way, John Casamitidis for president, I have to say he's completely intact cognitively. No issue whatsoever. So I, I say what, what, that he should throw his hat into the ring. Yeah, John, there is an issue, though, right? Because you were not born in America. John could do everything else, but I would have, I would have been his press secretary, believe me. Well, maybe we can overcome that. Let's get an amendment that John can run. Uh, by the way, did you know that Woodrow Wilson had the Spanish flu and he hid it from everyone? He thought the French Foreign Legion was coming to arrest him, and that's why he screwed up the Treaty of Versailles, and it's why Hitler rose to power. I mean, we really should know about the fitness of our president, in my opinion. John, your thoughts. And by the way, are, is there a way we can work, figure out some change in the amendments to get you going, all right? <laughs> Me and Schwarzenegger are going to run together. No one can spell those names. What a great ticket. Who's the president? Who's the vice president on that ticket? John is the president, Dr. Siegel. You know that. Come on. It doesn't matter. You put both names together, there's not enough room on the ballot. (laughs) Katz and Schwartz. By the way, did did you hear that in Thailand? They're realizing that marijuana is causing psychosis, so they're going to reverse no. the legalization. Yeah, I, we're wondering Walk what took around them New so York long. City, everyone here is psychotic. <laughs> yeah, because there's so much THC in the product that just walking down the street near somebody that's that yes. has, that's smoking pot, and you get it, you get inebriated yourself. It's all ridiculous. day long, all day <laughs> long, and they finally figured that out. Doctor Mark Siegel, thank you very, Great very to be much. With you guys, love you. Love thank you. you. We love you too. And John, stick with us. Tony, Governor Patterson, Ed Cox, stick with us. We're going to be talking with Attorney General Jason Meares after the break about crime in D.C. and border issues, big time. It's a common sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And joining us now here is the Attorney General of the great state of Virginia, Jason Mayaris. Uh, Mr. Attorney General, there have been so many headlines of late about crime in D.C., a lot of it gang-related and cartel-related. Talk about what you are seeing, because you're right next door. Well, I mean, D.C.'s crime problem is becoming Virginia's crime problem, and, and we are seeing both how it's hurting local businesses. You're seeing right now the the uh, Capitals and the Wizards are, are trying to relocate to a site in Virginia that's only five miles away from where they currently play, but... How they treat crime in Virginia is very different than how they treat crime in D.C. And they really have had this uh, criminal first victim last mindset where it's almost like a catch and release program. The the average arrest record of somebody picked up on a homicide charge in Washington, D.C. is 11 prior arrests. 11 arrests. Right. 11 prior arrests. And so 
These are not people given second chances. They are repeat violent, repeat offenders. And think about it. This is one of our nation's, this is our nation's capital. We want people to be able to visit and enjoy our nation's capital. People don't feel comfortable doing that. You've seen this in New York with some of our left-wing prosecutors here as well. When you don't prosecute entire categories of crime, um, it is, it leads to a, a lack of quality of life in these cities. That's a huge deal. What about the gangs? Because we're seeing that, right. of course, a lot also in New York City, where there's these rival gangs, the Venezuelan gang with MS-13, right. ruthless. Well, you have seen that when it has been said that every state is a border state, that is, there's so much truth. Because what has happened is, in the old days, you needed a couple things for a drug distribution. You needed acres of land, you needed good weather, and you needed a distribution of people on the ground that could distribute your narcotics. Well, what has happened with fentanyl, and synthetic opioids is you don't need acres of acres of land. You don't need your poppy seeds to 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 be able to be grown. You just need a, essentially the right precursor chemicals. They can be manufactured everywhere. They come over from China. They get them over the border. They'll manufacture them in the United States. But what has happened is the cartels have practiced this form of vertical integration, um, which is just ruthless. They've wiped out a lot of our local gangs that you've seen, and they've created blood, really these these bloody gang wars about drug turf. So MS-13. Um, there's a reason why you don't necessarily hear much about the Bloods and the Crips anymore. It's about several number of years ago that Sinaloa decided to essentially join or die and wipe them out. So it has been a horrific explosion. And then you have on the border enough fentanyl crosses our southern border to kill every man, woman, and child in America three times over. So you you have a chaos at the border. You have, uh, you also not just have drug trafficking, you have human trafficking, which is the world's second largest criminal enterprise. That's a $150 billion a year enterprise. And the average going price right now that the cartels are charging is about $15,000 per person. They force you to work that off, tragically, sometimes through sex or labor. And so it's a level of human misery and exploitation because the Biden administration lacks the will to close the border, unlike anything we've ever seen. And that, and, and really to put things in perspective, Back during the Obama administration, Obama's uh, Homeland Security Director said that the average of about a thousand or so crossings encounters a day with the illegal immigrants, which is about thirty to forty thousand a month, he they referred to that as a crisis. Their words, not mine. In the month of December alone, we had three hundred thousand. So, by a factor of ten, what we were dealing with under the Obama presidency, and you get a sense of why so many schools and so many schools, neighborhoods, and cities are being overrun right now. And we don't know who's coming in. I mean, that's the other issue, too. They're the gotaways uh, mm-hmm. that are coming in, and they're coming in from all these different countries. You see the reports of the Chinese. You see the Iranians. You see the Syrians. You see, I mean, this is, it, it is an invasion. Over 200 individuals on the terrorist watch list have been apprehended at the border. So if you have an idea of how many have gotten through that we don't even know where they are or where they're living, multiply that by seven. That gives you an idea of what we have, whether they are Iranian train or Chinese train, uh, if you look at the nationalities of who they are encountering on the border, consistently China is one of the top five. And so this misnomer that these are just people crossing the border from, say, Mexico, that's absolutely false. They are coming over from Middle Eastern countries all over the world because they see what's happening on our border. They fly to Mexico. They can You just can go on a social media app, so many of these individuals, and they – they know where to pay their mules, how to get them over the border. And then this is probably one of the most frustrating things. Of the people that are actually stopped, 83% of them are given the equivalent of a traffic ticket. They give a, they give a ticket that says, we will see you in court 
August 15th, 2028. Yeah, by, by the way, there was one that was in uh, like 3032. Yeah. I mean, are you kidding me? It, it's insane. And so um, the idea that we would sit here, and this is where Americans get frustrated. We, we've always embraced the idea of legal immigration. We, we have a million legal immigrants a year that come in. They do it the right way. The way Americans are is they feel like they're being taken advantage of. There's not a country on the planet that has the, the welcoming arms of legal immigration. Like my mother, when she fled Cuba, she did it the right way. And then they're being told, okay, we're welcoming to these legal immigrants, but these individuals that cut in line, that break the law, you know, at a naturalization ceremony, the most powerful moment is they raise their right hand. They swear an oath of allegiance to the United States. They swear an oath that they will serve in the United States military if called upon to serve. If you've crossed the border illegally, you've never had to do any of that. You're given a piece of paper that says we'll see you in court four or five years from now. It is a dereliction of duty right now what's happening. And we just have about a minute left, yeah. uh, Mr. Attorney General. Jason Mayar is of the great state of Virginia. I want to ask you, because you are also really fighting anti-Semitism in schools. That's yeah. a huge issue. We saw, of course, the big hearing. It still persists. I mean, we're still seeing Harvard and some of these schools bringing in these speakers and others. Didn't they get the message? Uh, you know, what's amazing for me is that there was a poll that showed millennials 61% favor Hamas. I think Hamas was justified for the October 7th slaughter, which is mind-boggling for me. I visited Israel about a month after, month or so after the actual attack. But it goes back to our education system. I mean, Plato said the two most important questions for a civilization is who teaches the children and what do they teach them. And clearly what they are teaching them is this distorted view of history. And it's why anti-Semitism is rampant on our college campuses. Well, bravo for fighting the good fight and cracking down on them and also keeping an eye on the border. you got to come back soon. We love having you. Thank, you. Thank you. Thank you. Virginia Attorney General Jason Mayares. Thank you, Mr. Attorney General. Uh, John Katsimatidis, your thoughts? My thoughts, uh, yeah. If we don't have law and order in our country, we're going to lose it all. Yeah, that is for sure. And boy, are it's like every town, as you just heard, is a border town now. Uh, Tony Carbonetti, your thoughts real quick. You know, I think what John's saying, John, tonight, tell them, protect our border. It's the most important thing. Protect it. Protect it. And everybody, what do we all stand for, guys? Truth, Truth justice, justice, and, and the American, American way. way. God bless America. God bless New York. And as John always says, God save the king. <laughs> 